0: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
1: And I'm a chocolate mess. Are you nervous, Kara? I'm nervous.
0: No. I've decided not to be. I can yeah. do nothing. Yeah. I, I have I have a new Zen, and it's not a Zen mentality. It's like there's nothing I can do except not get on the highways so a bunch of Trump chumps, you know, block up traffic. That's a really lovely thing to do. What a a bunch of assholes. I don't know what else to say.
1: Well, you heard Chevrolet is offering 0% financing to anyone who's a fucking moron. So there was, there was a run on trucks. And, and by the way, by the more. way, I mean, and they're channeling their inner French union. I'm yeah. trying to figure out how blocking traffic gets you more votes.
0: I don't know. They're I mean, just assholes. They're just assholes. <sighs> I don't know what else to say. It's like, you know, you know, someone was like, "Oh, you you, you like it when anti-fa does?" I don't even know who anti-fa like or whatever. I'm like, no, I don't like it. No, I don't like it at all. I don't like any of it. Like, and I definitely don't like you guys like thinking it's fantastic. So don't even try to catch me on. They that They absolutely
1: one. should have had blown up dolls on the roof of Chris Christie. I mean, you know, he like <laughs> had no comment about that whatsoever. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm going to stay out of this one.
0: Ugh, whatever. It's so funny. They were like, AOC, we blocked the bridge. And she goes, I took the frog's throg, neck, you assholes. I know my way <laughs>
1: I just look. I uh, there's uh, so
0: many assholes out. It's just like it's Halloween for assholes. Okay,
1: it's one thing to be an asshole. What's intolerant is is to be stupid. It's like, well, how is that going to help your cause? You got to think that they literally a couple hundred people are just voting tomorrow just because they're so pissed off. You're on your way to work. You're on your way to pick up your kid from school. Yeah. And someone blocks
0: traffic. Yeah, they're gonna try it all over the place tomorrow for voting. I think. I think that's just (sighs) like you know. I think they're gonna get more serious with the guns and everything else. I mean, uh, you know the whole Biden bus thing. It's re- it's like really dangerous. Actually, it's like playing chicken on a highway is not really a cool thing to do. Um, if someone had gotten hurt, it would have just the whole thing. And then for Trump to say it's great, and for Rubio, that little stupid sidekick. By man, the way, did you
1: hear? Senator Rubio is already calling donors and raising money for twenty twenty
0: whatever I you' he's know what already I raising money I'm gonna do everything I can to defeat him I've decided I'm gonna like move to Florida like I just like come on down you know he's just the worst he's like the yeah, worst because he's, he's like an Igor and he's like a loser he's bad. and like loser like Republicans you can do better than that if you want to have a bully don't 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 hire the bullies.
1: Now, he's uh, not a problem, but if you reverse engineer, a lot of our biggest problems, think about immigration reform. Yeah. He was on this task force, they brought him in, young senator, he's very he's very compelling, he's very charismatic. Sure. And he literally said, I got messages that the far right, didn't like the didn't like, uh, immigration reform, and so he totally cut and run, totally killed the thing. If we'd had immigration reform four or five years ago when that task force, that bipartisan task force was assembled, mm-hmm. the world could have been, in America, a much better place. He's literally been posing for the cameras in Iowa for eight years. He's it, a witless,
0: spineless imbecile, I'm sorry, at this point. They can do better. Like, I literally like Nikki Haley better, which is really hard for me to say out loud.
1: Yeah, I but, like Governor Haley. like,
0: at least she's like, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, she's a strong, <laughs> she's a strong it's just, woman. It's a really interesting situation for all of them. We'll see what happens, but yeah. so we can't do anything about it. So, let's talk, like, one of the things that— Well, just, that, just, just what, I love a movie
1: <laughs> reference. What you mm-hmm. said reminded me, Vito Morganson, a deeply underappreciated uh, actor— Agreed. Eastern Promises— Fantastic film. Agreed. Obviously, the the Hobbit trilogy. But he there's a movie. He played a movie. The uh, Marine
0: movie with uh, Demi Moore. The Marine movie
1: with Demi Moore. Yeah.
0: Okay. But go ahead. Oh, I'll you find mean it. the
1: Seal movie where she's a Seal?
0: Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, he was also um, in the hunt for red October, but he's been in yes. a bunch of. He's been in a bunch of. Uh, History of violence is a fantastic movie. Anyway, yep. anyway, he's in a movie I forget the name of it where he plays an addict uh, with Sandra Bullock, and they're both in rehab. And he has a uh, statement. He was a, he plays a pitcher, a reformed pitcher, and he says, "Once the ball's out of your hands, it's between God, the weather, and the batter." And what you said makes sense. The ball's out of our hands, right? Yep. Uh, Anyways, so I don't. It was called
0: GI Jane, and he played Master Chief, if you remember, Master Chief, Master Chief. He was Ridley Scott
1: film, a Ridley Scott film.
0: I love that movie. I hate to say I love that movie. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Why? I don't know why. It's so bad. Wait, a woman
1: dressed up as a Navy SEAL. I'm trying to think why you like that movie.
0: Just was she? Just was I love when Demi Moore goes for it. I don't know why she didn't have a bigger career because she's just shameless in so many good ways. Yeah. that's yeah, why I like deeply her. Deeply a misunderstood deeply, artist. <laughs> yeah, right, not an artist, but Viggo Morgans, I agree, he's been an amazing movie. He's underappreciated. Um, the The tech companies, speaking of strong people, have done really yeah. well in reported earnings late, last week. No surprises. They surged. Their yeah. stocks are off, though, today, even though there's been a bit of a rally. There was a downturn in Wall Street, and now, but, but the, uh, the the techs aren't coming jumping as much as the other companies, like retailers and such. Why is well, that? Well, Amazon,
1: sky? I mean, Amazon, think about this. And the, Post-pandemic. 200%
0: rise in profits, whoa.
1: Yeah, the profits up threefold. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's really almost scary that Amazon, if you look at their business, whether it's cloud computing, whether it's a streaming video platform, delivering stuff at your home. I mean, it's as if this company was invented for a pandemic. And yeah. then, And then a lockdown, um, stimulus, essential retailers – uh, and Amazon's done a great job. I, yeah. I think that one of the biggest we don't we don't like to acknowledge the threats that didn't result in a in a panic. But I I believe that we would have panic if. Um, Amazon and Walmart supply chain had been interrupted. I think yeah. that's when people would have grabbed their Glock and gone to Publix. Yeah. And they both did, I think they both did a great job to their credit. It's, but it's clear these companies, if they can, if when there's an opportunistic infection that takes out a lot of business and employment, unemployment doubles, and these companies massively accelerate, it's like, mm-hmm. a, you know, heads, heads they win, tails they win. This is kind of blown by all reasonable. Um, Standards so what's the of bear case?
0: Is there a bear case for them that there's no <sighs> stimulus? There's no what? what? What's the that this election is confused? That's assuming the bear case for everybody. I right?
1: don't. I, I think, I mean, Facebook, I think fa- the bear case around Facebook is that the uh, executives there do a perp walk. I think mm-hmm. Facebook is so beyond the pale of damage to the Commonwealth that they might actually have poked the bear so many times that I think they're on thin ice. All right. Apple Apple is running out of people to sell a smartphone into. They've got to come up with, you know, they'll move to the Rundle, but Amazon, I, it's just hard to imagine that Amazon doesn't run through the tape and not only win the hundred meter, but wins the five hundred meter, that wins the marathon. It's just hard to see them slowing down. And then Google, I think, is subject to some antitrust. But if you look at Azure, up forty eight percent year on year. Yeah. The the company I was following, and and so just some disclosures. I'm a shareholder in Apple and Amazon. I used to be in Facebook, and the people correctly Shameful. highlighted I was being a total hypocrite. And so Yes, yeah, I signed. I sold my Facebook stock. But anyways, I'm also a shareholder. In Twitter, because I yeah. think Twitter has been grossly, not mismanaged, but undermanaged. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you listen to that. You, you probably didn't do this, but listen to the earnings call. I it was know. literally uh, the day before. Film? There's a story in the Wall Street Journal that comes out. This is, okay, this co-CEO who manages two companies takes four mm-hmm. ice baths a day, and it's described as very hands-off. In other words, he's just not fucking home. He's not not there. He's the literally absentee CEO Doesn't even begin to describe this. Go ahead. All right. Okay. And then, and then in the earnings call, he spoke for about twenty seconds and then handed it off to the CFO. Was like, I don't know what's going on here. And then, did you see what happened to Twitter stock? Twitter stock is off twenty five percent in the last two trading days. And all that you know, CNN and CNBC are all saying that it was low user growth. Twitter's numbers were good. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what they did? They said it's very difficult for a company to accelerate. When it doesn't have a CEO. this I think this is a referendum. I think oh, the of shellacking in the marketplace that it's gotten is a total— I think all the investors listening to Anna's call go, oh, shit, no one's home.
0: Yeah. Anyway. There's going to have to be a lot of home going forward, for sure, for these companies. Um, all right, we're going to go into our big story, which, Scott, is the election. Okay, we can't escape okay. it. Okay. Everyone has election on the brain. Not okay. Kara. Kara's put down her phone and is not looking at Nate Silver or et cetera, et cetera. So as we go to the polls, let's talk about how platforms are prepping for whatever lies ahead. You talk about mm-hmm. a perwop of, of Facebook. First up, Twitter will put messages at the top of users' feeds that are preemptively debunk false information about voting by mail and election results. By the way, Jonathan Swan at Axios is reporting that Trump plans to declare victory before the polls close on Tuesday. if uh, If he looks to be ahead, Trump said he didn't say that. It's very confusing. As usual, Trump is muddying the waters. This is his favorite thing to do. Wikipedia is also prepping for misinformation by creating misinformation task force. Uh, Dozens of people across the foundation's security, product, legal, and communications team have set up protections for the website, guiding hundreds of unpaid volunteers who edit its pages. For example, the main page for the 2020 election will be locked and unable to be edited without guidance from the task force, which is interesting. Meanwhile, PayPal has ended uh, its account with Epic, the domain registrar for far-right websites such as 8chan, and a domain to the Proud Boys website. They're, everybody's trying everything. I don't. Mark Zuckerberg is worried about civil unrest. Thank you, Mark. Since you caused some of it, uh, a lot of these people who did the traffic thing were organizing on Facebook, of course. Uh, so, what do you? What do you think? What do you think?
1: Well, I'm going to turn the question this back to Y2K, you after a quick which comment. Never happened. But uh, personally, I think the civil unrest is not coming.
0: Okay. I think
1: that the the election interference is not coming because I think it's going to be that decisive tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And again, that's my bias coming out. But the okay. only thing, uh, the only thing I would uh, speculate about is that, for example, that 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 sad little penis gang from Murder She Wrote that surrounded mm-hmm. the Trump Bi- or the that surrounded the Biden truck or the mm-hmm. Biden bus.
0: Yeah, little what penis do you know? True.
1: It was mm-hmm. organized on Facebook. Facebook and yeah. I bet we're going to find out, slowly but surely, that when bad actors, i.e. Russia, saw that going on... I mean, we provide the spark. Yep. They poured fuel on
0: it. Yes, they did. We're going
1: to find there were instances all through this election where Americans gave in to their worst instincts and provided mm-hmm. really negative, divisive, polarizing, terrible content for the, the sanctity of our elections. And there were bad actors... Who Facebook's not interested in rooting out because it results in a decline in shareholder value came in and poured fuel on. Agreed. It. And that's going to be one example. Agreed.
0: You know, this is just, they just have to, they, you don't even have to try. And I think some of them were, could be, you remember last time the Russians started groups to get people angry. But what was interesting, it's not just Facebook though, let's be honest. My, yep. I just got a text Agreed. from my, one of my sons. It said, I just got Trump ad that was uh, ad on YouTube. He uses YouTube a lot. That was a Latino themed song to get them to vote for me and clips of his dancing. Why are they targeting me? I get Biden ads, too, but the contrast is incredible. Biden ads are just so much more respectable. And then Amanda wrote back, every dollar the Trump campaign spends getting their ad in front of a lefty 15-year-old in D.C. is a dollar well spent in my humble opinion.
1: (laughs) A lefty fifteen year old. They're grooming him for he's, the future.
0: He's not he's not lefty at all, actually. He's quite he questions everything everything. There's yeah, nothing to make that this 15. kid doesn't question. Um but one of the things that is interesting about that is like he's been f- focused on these ads and he finds them repre- he finds the Trump ads reprehensible and they let him right. get away with it. And it was just a story in the post today talking about that is like how much they get away with on YouTube or Facebook or wherever. Um so I think you know the postmortem should be fascinating, although we might be not be able to trace their postmortem.
1: Yeah, but you. Uh, uh, so the question I did want to turn back to you is: uh, so these people stopped reaching out to me about two years ago, yeah. and and there's pretty much a, a blanket order across all of them not not mm-hmm. to speak to me, but they do speak to you. What is your What is your sense of their efforts? around election misinformation do you think a it's effective do you think it's genuine what do you think is going on at these companies
0: you know i did a, an int- i've done a lot of interviews lately about this i think the problem is the disinformation is coming from Explicit. It's not Russia. It's not, it's Trump, right? So right. it's the Trump people or the Trump minions and everything else. And so it's explicit disinformation that you can see in plain sight. So, same thing with the racism, same thing with all of this stuff, the violence, the casual violence. It's all made, everything implicit has been made explicit. So now we see it like, oh, look, here they are just calling for you know, beat this person up or I'm going to fire this guy or lock him up. Like it's not. So I think that's one of the issues is so they have to just take him off. That's the only choice. And so what they're doing is selectively disciplining, which of course doesn't work. Right. And so I think there's frustration with the fact that there's nothing they can do about it. Really. This is what they've been found out. And two, a lack of realization about the fact that the reason they these people act in this way is because they've never been disciplined, right? And so it's too late. It's literally like you've had a group of kids sugar for their whole lives and you're surprised they have ADHD or whatever. They're like obese or whatever, on and on and on. And, I, and I, I think at this point, if I were the Trump people, why not break the laws? It doesn't, there's no, there's no enforcement. Why not? Why not? Like, and so I think they feel powerless and at the same time, they cause the whole thing. I guess. You know what I mean? So you get a lot of, well, we're trying our best. We're trying our best. And you're like, you know what? Just stop because it doesn't work. It doesn't help. It doesn't stop things. And you, you do around the edges by getting rid of QAnon and this and that. But the next day, it, it, it morphs into something else. And it's the platform that's the problem.
1: Well, Steve, Steve Bannon really sent kind of chills down my spine because you He's can a see smart it. One. Steve Bannon's very smart. But he said, you know, the strategy which the Trump campaign is now adopting again, as you get closer to the election, you flood the zone with misinformation. Just flood it. Flood just it. Flood it. Mm-hmm. And confuse and discourage people. And I, I'm i just going to be very – it's going to be very interesting. I, I think they're in a state of panic. I think yeah. Facebook and Twitter are like, oh, no. And again, the analogy is our parents are home and the dog is pregnant and the garage is on fire. We are yeah. in deep shit because let's be honest, there's no way to wallpaper over – um, you know, we just have run out of excuses, and the mm-hmm. election is so important. And we're going to find. I, I just think they know we're going to find out a lot of bad shit went on. It's yep. just a lot of bad shit. Yep. And I wonder how genuine they are, and w- the level of resources they're they they are actually allocating um, to trying to suppress this. It's it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. It'll be well, it very depends on interesting. Who
0: wins? If Trump wins, they're okay. They're like, they're not going to look, why would you look at it? I mean, you have two ways. If Trump wins, which seems unlikely, but if it happens, they're sort of off the hook. And then who knows? Then they just have to do it themselves. And they may not be able to, because this is working for that group. Um, If Biden wins, does he have the energy? He's got a million other things to do. This is not, Trump isn't going away. That's the other thing is, what do you do with a post-election Trump who's lost, and that's what's interesting. Will he fade away? And he could, because people instantly get tired of this bullshit, I think, right. on one hand. I think that's right. Or is he going to be—you know, at some point, everyone's going to go, stop talking. Like, stop—like, if he's not president, then he doesn't really matter. And if, especially if he's locked up into legal battles, which I think is going to happen for him. So what do you, what do, you do with post-Trump Trump? Post, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I think will be interesting is how are they going to deal with them? I think they'll be much quicker to not worry about left, uh, right wing bias, which is bullshit and it's a ridiculous worry on their part. Um, I think they'll be more willing to,
1: you know, what happens to him. uh, The analogy is Megan and Harry. If Mm -hmm. Megan and Harry were awful people, Mm -hmm. uh, that's the analogy here. And that is once Megan and Harry left left, uh, Buckingham Palace. No one gives a shit about them. Mm -hmm. No one gives a shit. Right. And I I genuinely believe that once this guy is out of the, I think his core base, they're not drawn to him because of ideology. They're drawn to him because they thought he was a winner. And mm-hmm, America yeah. needs to win again, and America needs to be yeah. politically incorrect, and we're sick of these Democrats and Republicans lying to us, we want change. The moment he's out of office, first off, every Republican center, senator whose testicles have not descended, which is about 52 of the 53, mm-hmm. are going to totally abandon him. Mm-hmm. I think even Fox is going to say, do we really? Then he'll make noises around starting – the latest one is he'll, he'll make noises around starting yeah. – a right wing media network. I know Maybe what's involved. Maybe it'll be like
0: Quibi. It'll be that, just like Quibi. I'll yeah, tell you that. I,
1: I, I, Yeah, but I and you do too. We know what's involved in running and starting a media company. And guess what? It it takes a certain level of competence. And he is not able. He has demonstrated an inability to surround himself with competent people. So I I just quite frankly think he was. I think it is shocking how fast it's going to fade to black. I yeah, don't think he, he I don't think Fox is going to want him on anymore. I think I'm like, okay, turn yeah, the page. Well, we'll you see. know, it's
0: interesting. Could he go into a Reagan-like zone, you know, like, and he will dispense his power to the people? I, I, I don't know. It just depends on how quickly save face...
1: Say more what you mean by that, a Reagan-like well, I, it zone. It depends on
0: what the numbers are. Like, if they're pretty close, he has power. If they're not, it's just a bunch of crazy— like, the people who run around and do their truck thing and uh, whatever. You I know, just, they'll, I, eventually uh, they'll— yeah, we're f- we're all too many and have a heart we're, attack. We're something. all
1: afraid to say this, and I want you to give me the mm-hmm. argument. Is okay. that all this early, But more, I think more people in Texas have voted before the before the election yeah. and voted at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to imagine. I know there's two factors. There's COVID nineteen. I want to get it out of the way, and mm-hmm. then there's passion. And I'm trying yep. to figure out what's happened it's in passion. the last four years that it's would have passion. increased the passion. Of Trump relative to Biden, no, it strikes me that no,
0: it's Biden. It's get rid of Trump, people. All I of think. this
1: early voting, I don't see how that which is why can't they're making so many moves
0: around the voting, trying to suppress the votes. So that's why they're doing that because they realize what's what those votes, what those ballots are saying. What's interesting to me is you know when I interviewed Hillary Clinton just recently, she's saying what you're saying. She's like, it's going to be over for him, and then he's going to be sucked up into lawsuits. Like she knows, hundred percent becoming irrelevant. Southern right?
1: District is waiting.
0: You know, that's one. And I think she wasn't even talking about the lockup because she was not even, that wasn't even the topic. It's that people, he's going to instantly get tiresome, especially if he loses badly. Because his whole image with his base is based on winning and fuck yeah, the man right, and that kind right. of thing. And so right. she was very much like that. I was like, I don't know. They're, the people who like him really like him, like really, really like him for some reason. Because I think it, it fills the, the holes in their own feelings of being left out or being yeah, sidelined. You know who the
1: new Donald Trump is? Who? I had Stephen Schmidt on the Prof. G podcast. Yeah, by he's the a way, smart. very thoughtful guy. Yes. He he's really good. By the and way, they're going to
0: be the enemy again soon. So go ahead.
1: You think yeah, really. they're going to be. They're, oh, I,
0: they're still conservative. I was, they're still very The Lincoln
1: Project is pretty interesting. I'm very drawn to it. I know you are. I'm very drawn to it. I like Why raging moderates are. who are creative and unafraid. I like these guys. I like the fact they're smart and savvy. Okay. I like the fact they make money. People criticize if them. I, that, put that, put I like that. put together
0: a list of things they like, you wouldn't like them. But go That's ahead. I like true. them too. Believe like, I like Republicans We had them on the show. I'm a big
1: cool, fan so of Steve Schmidt. So he came on and he said something really interesting. And that is, I agree with you that his people aren't going away, but you know what? They're going to a new Mussolini and you know who the new Mussolini is who, who did he say it's going to be Tucker Carlson
0: oh yeah yes yes he will be a political force
1: there and he Stephen Schmidt said that he thinks the most viable candidate on the Republican side in 2024 is going to be Tucker Carlson and I think agree. about how much more compelling uh, uh, and smart, smart yeah. and uh, Tucker Carlson is than Trump and he goes in with the same features the reality TV awareness, they can run a bunch of clips of him embarrassing scientists and embarrassing right. Democrats. I yeah. think right now, I hate to admit yeah, he's this. A very dangerous. I think he's man. the front runner. I think he's the front runner it's for the twenty twenty four.
0: He's what's fascinating is liking both people very wealthy, grew up very wealthy, and Tucker Carlson really fancy. You know, at one point he, he goes after me quite a bit like he when, he, when he has me. Um but he always talks about my private school education. I'm like, "Your private school costs $10,000 more than my private school, my friend." That's I'm your
1: so, best comeback well, is I'm your just school saying costs. $10, I don't like him telling me something my Yours private school. Yours was 60, mine was 50. I, oh my God! True. It's
0: like I can't believe he's using that, and he went to a more expensive private school. That, I just your water park
1: was bigger than ours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is from a much richer family than mine. Let me just say, really? I do not come from poverty. I do not. But the man, it's like the, it's like I the Swanson fortune. I didn't he's, know that. He's like the. TV dinner, people. You know what? I
1: got the answer. I think it's you Swanson. Guys sh- you guys, sh- you guys Swanson. should wed thee to unite Westeros. <laughs> you <laughs> shall bear children together. There will be the next king. And I will be your hand. I will be your hand. Oh, I, wait, it's all figured I'm out. I'm looking this up. Boom, I think saddled. it's
0: Swanson. I'm pretty sure it's sw- the TV dinner. He's rich as heck. He goes to Maine. I don't go to Maine. Only well, what the does really, that mean? What do you, you got against Maine? We have Maine? big houses in Maine, and they're really not very comfortable, and they very like Very
1: important ballot initiative in Maine.
0: What? Which one Maine is that? Maine and
1: Alaska, both. And Getting this is huge.
0: Getting rid of uh, Susan Collins? What? No,
1: no, no, no. Well, I think she's out. We'll see, but I think she's out. I think she's I think she's only number yeah. two to only uh, is- Rubio in terms of someone who lacks all backbone. May I just
0: read his name? Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson. That's his name.
1: Indubitably. <laughs>
0: Tucker oh Swanson like McNear Carlson. I am Kara Swisher. That is it. That is yeah. my entire name. K-Swish.
1: Let me Uh, just say, let me just say that
0: again. Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson. Like, He's a rich kid. He's a rich kid. I
1: totally opened that Tucker bashing session. But Maine, back to Maine. So Maine has a ballot initiative and so does Alaska. And they're really two important initiatives. And I would say that they're only second to 24 in terms of indicating where the country might be headed. uh, California 24. By the way, no on 24, everyone. Anyway, so Mm -hmm. it's for rank voting. And I think that we need in America to make our uh, elected leaders more representative of America. And uh, I don't speak for... The un, the silent majority here, but a silent majority or a majority that's been silenced is what mm-hmm. I'll affectionately refer to as raging moderates. And our current election system doesn't allow moderates to get any oxygen, and yeah. rank voting does. Yeah. So I, I think like rank voting, I these two things in Alaska and Maine, and, and Maine are – I really hope rank voting becomes a thing. We need more people in the center. We need more purple. We need less red, less – Less, less bloody red, less iridescent blue. We need more mm-hmm. purple. We need more yep, people in the purple. middle the I of like us.
0: purple. Let me just go back to Tucker Carlson for a second. I'm oh, to oh, oh, in 1996, Carlson's trigger. parents a divorced after a nine-year marriage reportedly, quote, turned sour. Carlson's father was granted custody of Tucker and his brother. Carlson's mother left the family when he was six wanting to pursue a, quote, bohemian lifestyle.
1: Interesting. Well, that makes him more likable. So I know, he, he but he I think it made him mad. That.
0: It, and then, then his, his father married the heiress to the Swanson fortune. Anyway, and I don't know how Swanson got in his name, but there you have it. In any case, we and are going to.
1: <laughs> the GOP We have front a lot runner. to go.
0: We, 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 what, so I'm going to ask you, we're going to go on a quick break in a second yeah. and, yeah. uh, and a palate cleanser from election talk. What can, what, is, who is going to end up the worst of the platforms in this, in this situation of you, if you had a pick? Facebook, YouTube, what?
1: Oh, there's just no getting around it. There's uh, Apple is disarticulated and and starched its hat white, hands down. The scaled sociopathy that is Facebook never fails to disappoint. Uh, we're going to find out that it's just built into their culture. Uh, a total lack of regard for our commonwealth. A total ra- lack of regard. For um, our species, in terms of cooperation, a total lack of regard for how dangerous it is to have algorithms. Uh, and by the way, it's nothing that Twitter isn't guilty of. It's just that mm-hmm. Facebook's better at it. But yeah, we're, we're going to find out all sorts of crazy shit about about Facebook and how this, you know, three hundred million dollars to stand, fend off election interference was nothing but with Vaseline on a giant gaping wound that is the sociopathy of the most damaged individual <laughs> to reach this level of power. Tucker um,
0: Carlson. <laughs> All right, we're going to take Ms. a quick break. Mr. Swanson,
1: yeah, Tucker Swanson. When Carlson. we get back, we have oh, a friend God, of Pivot. That's
0: Okay, Scott, let's bring on our friend of Pivot today. He's the CEO of Panera, Niran Chowdhury. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Well, Scott's going to start it off because it was his choice to have you here, and I'm very excited.
1: So, Nier, in full disclosure, when I heard about the Rundle program that Panera was offering, the coffee program... Uh, I reached out to Niran and asked if I could invest. Uh, so I want to disclose that, and I haven't made that investment yet. But if he, but if he, if he, if he wises up, he's going to take my money. But I am so <laughs> impressed with this company because I look at the best performing stock of the last ten years. It's not Amazon. It's Domino's. I think the fast casual, the QSR, the innovation there. It's an enormous category, and I think innovation there is really exciting. Can you talk to us a little bit about your approach around what I'll call recurring revenue? Bonds? and how you see the world of fast-casual changing?
2: Certainly, Scott. So, uh, Firstly, I'm really flattered that you'd want to invest in Panera. And we're absolutely open to you investing as much as you like. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, uh, Panera has always been an innovator and a leader uh, in fast-casual. And as you know, we were number one in food transparency, number one in digital e-commerce, et cetera. And we continue to you know, carry that torch forward in everything that we do this a healthy sense of dissatisfaction around the status quo, you know, constantly pushing ahead and f- looking for ideas to improve our business model. And I think you referred to the recurring revenue model. I think that's certainly the first of its kind in the industry. We're very excited. We want to be the Netflix um, of coffee, uh, as if it were. And the idea is very simple, which is, you know, premium coffee doesn't have to be very expensive. And Panera has a great premium coffee, which is an underleveraged asset and you bring those two things together and you have this unlimited coffee program where for 8.99 a month you can have unlimited coffee and i think the uh, the the strength of this uh, program is manifold um so firstly i think in terms of just a business model you know regarding revenues uh, of the subscription that you get annually on top of that uh, you're able to drive frequency up of your customers uh, we are seeing frequency gains of uh as much as five times basis this program and then you have attachment on top of that we're seeing 40% of those increased visits are having food attached to it so and it's the, like
1: i'm just going to interrupt you there it's like amazon where when someone goes to prime they go from 600 bucks a year to 1500 bucks a year i'm i'm curious so you've signed up almost a million people yeah
2: we we had a million people expressing interest and now as the uh the time kicks in for them to start actually paying for the subscription it is coming down but still it is uh, close to about 400,000 at this point in time.
1: So, uh, as a CEO of a company, so, so there are several big players in the space, and you're one of them. And pre pandemic, it was the cost, the major cost or cap allocation was real estate, loosely what I'll call branding, both in store and out of store, billboards, TV, whatever in-store labor, um, uh, the big, I'm trying to think of the big costs, and then innovation, and then the product itself, food, which typically is not the most expensive part. How Post-pandemic, walk us through how your capital allocation is going to shift or change and why.
2: So, I think post-pandemic, we're sort of you know, uh, looking at a completely new, uh, or I would say a stronger and a different business model. And the business model is going to be more orientated towards the off-premise needs of the customer. Uh, So more geared towards off-premise convenience, and which is uh, driven primarily by through e-commerce access, you know, and we have a very strong uh, foundation of e-commerce. So off-premise convenience access through e-commerce. And I see actually uh, moving forward smaller box formats, uh, with smaller amount of percent of our business being on premise a larger chunk being driven off premise and primarily unlocked through um uh through e commerce
0: so w- can you add, what is how big is that you, you your stores are now pretty big they're like restaurants they're yeah sort of, so yeah. Our,
2: you know our current Panera is let's say about four and a half thousand square feet forty mm-hmm. percent of our revenue pre pandemic would come from on premise go forward, you know, I see that world flipping, and I see that a bigger chunk of revenue will now come increasingly from off-premise. And you're looking at maybe a size going down from 4,500 square feet to about 3,000 square feet. So mm-hmm. smaller box, smaller capex, uh, even for a similar revenue, better asset turns, and therefore superior returns as we go forward.
0: Is that a trend that you saw pre-pandemic?
2: I think pre-pandemic, also, we were looking at, you know, how can we make our whole business model more scalable and more profitable? And we were working around these levers of, you know, smaller box and more efficient uh, capital deployment. I think that whole process has just accelerated dramatically.
1: And what percentage of your business is a digital, I mean, technically, what percentage of your business is e-commerce, touches digital?
2: Yeah, so I think e-commerce is about, currently, about 60%. Of our total sales. So wow. it is up from, say, about 35% pre-pandemic to close to 60%. And I would say this is probably, you know, right up there in food retail and, and something that we continue to leverage extremely hard. And as, as you know, Scott, I think on the e-commerce, what you realized is the return on the uh, advertising spend is at least three to four times more efficient than that of traditional media. Uh, because you can be so much more targeted and so much more impactful. And therefore, we're pushing a lot of our dollars in that direction as we go forward. More and more digital investment and continue to drive uh, our e-commerce percent.
1: And we talk a lot about income inequality and software being used to arbitrage people. Can you talk a little bit about, and, and, and generally, Niran? we've talked about a, lot, about a lot of things. We haven't talked about this. Can you talk about your labor force and how you, quite frankly, develop some of the economic security and move wages back in the right direction? Because typically, fast casual is not known for paying people very well. What is your approach, your viewpoint? Is it worth A reduction in EBITDA and shareholder value. Uh, how are you approaching giving people a living wage that work in, that work in your, in in Panera's?
2: Yeah, sure. So I think that's a great question. I, I really believe that at the end of the day, it first starts off with continuing to build a very strong brand, a brand that can therefore demand some sort of a premium from our customers. So it starts with the brand promise, which is very strong and differentiated. Then your need to be your ability to execute against that brand promise consistently uh, is very important so that you build a loyal franchise. That in turn creates a business model, which then is strong enough for you to take care of all your various stakeholders. I think our mindset is that actually it all begins with the people, our employees, our associates, and the culture that we create. And my firm belief is that if we truly love and take care of our associates, as we should, which includes, uh, you know, living wage and also beyond that, taking care of their growth and their ambitions, so that they want to stay with Panera, that in turn then creates more loyal customer franchise. And if that happens, that's how you actually create sustainable shareholder value. So I see those not as conflicting levers, I see them very much aligned in the way in which we can create shareholder value. You said,
1: you referenced the number 60% e-commerce, which immediately makes me believe that all of a sudden, a huge component of your CapEx, your management, your approach is supply chain between the store and the house. That all of a sudden you have uh, not only the need for pickup, but the need for delivery. What's your approach to delivery? Do you think it's, you outsource it to Uber Eats, which is obviously more capital light. Do you make the, what must be a huge investment in vertical, and that is having your own Panera employees with their own insurance, their own decent compensation, their own cars. What's your approach to the supply chain on the back end?
2: I think delivery is, is certainly a, uh, a channel which has tremendous uh, tailwind, as we all know. So, our delivery is growing at over 100% uh, right now. Uh, so, we are the I would say probably the leader in fast casual in terms of having the largest fleet of our own drivers. We have 8,000 drivers on our own payroll. Wow. Um, and that's how we came into the pandemic with that number. But we had around just before the pandemic also started exploring partnerships with third party aggregators because the way in which we look at it is that we want to make sure that the top of the funnel is really open for our customers and they can order a Panera where they want it, when they want it, how they want it. So we have the full range of options from fully owned to fully outsourced delivery models and hybrids in between. And what we are doing, I mean, we are probably the only, um, uh, I think brand that, that has that full dimension and scale of fully owned and fully outsourced and hybrid solutions in between. And what that means is that for all of our over 2000 cafes, we can customize the right business model for that particular cafe and that trade zone, keeping into account the requirements of the customers, the ease or difficulty of hiring drivers, uh, et cetera.
0: When you think about the pandemic and how it's changed your businesses, you're not going back to the other one. How do you look at the whole food industry, which has been suffering, obviously, through the pandemic, when it, among retailers Food, things like that. Is it just, this is the way things are going to happen for good with less people at work, less, more people remote and things like that?
2: Well, I think, you know, this is a, it's a very challenging uh, moment in time. And I think what makes it uniquely difficult is that the health crisis is becoming a financial and a humanitarian crisis, actually, mm-hmm. and all happening at the same time. Right. And also the customers are changing what they want and what they expect right now dramatically, more so than ever before. So customers want more safety right they want more off premise convenience they want e-commerce access they want uh, more compelling value mm-hmm. and they want meaningful uh, food innovation you know in our category and i think those are dramatic changes and i think for all of the brands i think it is a time where we have to redefine ourselves and innovate um to become uh, continue to be relevant Uh, to the customers as we emerged from the pandemic.
0: But one of your great businesses was office workers, right? You were located a lot of, so is that gone? Do you feel like that's gone? Because I was talking to a lot of businesses and they're like, we're sticking with 65% of people working remotely from now on. I think
2: it's been, you know, uh, hugely impacted. So to give you a sense. um, I mean,
0: permanent, permanently impacted.
2: For the moment, So, give you a sense, 10% of our total sales was coming from catering. Mm Mm-hmm. And that has gone down by at least, uh, 60%. This less is to offices, right? To offices, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Panera had, you know, we yeah, were the, we I've the nation's, Panera. I've <laughs> we're, we're the nation's largest business caterer. And, you know, you yeah. can imagine that we, we, you know, almost half of the business has disappeared because of right. what's happened.
0: From a business perspective, my last question, um, This is airing on the day of the election. Is there a difference? you look at a Trump win versus a Biden win in this election? What do you need as a business person, aside from lack of this ridiculous fight, you know, just the noise and everything else that is created by this very difficult and partisan election?
2: Well, I'll tell you, you know, our world and every waking moment is consumed totally on what we should be doing differently at Panera. Mm Mm-hmm and how we can serve uh, our customers to the best of our ability, better than anybody Mm -hmm. else, how we can take care of our associates. There is so much that we need to uh, get right. uh, That's where our focus is. And uh, I think that's what we'll continue to do.
0: All right. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on.
2: Thank you very much. Real pleasure.
0: Okay, Scott, we're going to go on a quick break. (laughs) Okay, Scott wins and fails. What is your win and fail? Oh my god, this election is over. Let's Look, that's my 24 hours. Yay.
1: So, I'm hoping my fail is Proposition 22. I think that Uber has not figured mm-hmm. out a way to be profitable, but has figured out a way to along alongside of Lyft and Instacart, Instacart uh, raise a, uh, or allocate or spend a quarter of a billion dollars to continue to rob people of their dignity of work to continue. There was a story about a family whose father was so desperate for work that he loaded up his car with Diet Cokes and his diabetes medication, caught COVID, died, Mm -hmm. and his family, his heirs can no longer, cannot get workers' compensation, death benefits, which they would be able to do. If if Uber was forced to pay payroll taxes as employees, this is Uber is a company that not only doesn't make money, but it's a company that lacks empathy, but finds a quarter of a billion dollars to make sure that workers don't unionize to make sure that they still don't make money when there's someone in the car. So I'm hoping the the million dollars that's gone to the no on Prop 22 somehow fights back and finds purchase amongst California voters who are. Fighting against a quarter of a billion dollars behind the yes on Prop 22, and I have a lot of confidence in California voters. Yeah, they have a know. sense for the future. Yeah. So that's my, that's my. I don't know if that's my win or my loss. And then again, I want to bring it up. Uh, uh, the the rank voting in Alaska and Maine. I think is super important. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyways, those are my wins and losses. What are yours?
0: Very good. My win, I think, is the Texas Supreme Court denying these nice. all these petitions. All nice. Of these, all of these petitions that the Republicans are seeing to suppress votes. It's oh, going go to go on for days. tried to suppress
1: 110,000 votes. I'm sorry <laughs> to you.
0: After it had been ruled by this governor, the attorney general, that they should be able to do this. It's just like this voter suppression thing. I, I, I interviewed um, uh, another very preppy guy, um, Trevor Potter. Another name, Trevor Potter. Such a good name. Um, about this, he's a lawyer. He works for a, a non nonpartisan group that's trying to stop this. He's a former, he worked for McCain, uh, that gang essentially, and uh, he was. It was just amazing all the different stuff around the country. And I think these these lawsuits are just insane. It's just that they're doing this. It's just you can't win the real way. You do it the fake way, and so just like win by getting more votes or having a good platform or anything else. But this is, and I know I sound like I'm Jimmy Stewart and. Uh, in uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. But honestly, this is just ridiculous. This is just ridiculous. This idea that that votes are being stolen is just such, this voter fraud thing is so fraudulent, the way they talk about it. And that's so, I thought that was a win. Um, and I think a fail is this continued what is the base common denominator of shitty, including attacking uh, Dr. Fauci right in the middle of the peak of the epidemic. What a fail. What a, you know, like attacking him and ha- saying he's going to fire him and That's just, it's just, uh, FYI, suburban women love Anthony Fauci. (laughs) I mean, like, what are you, who are you going for there? And so I think this attack on science and, and I I wish more Silicon Valley people would frigging speak up about this kind of stuff. I have not seen enough um, tech people really defending science and which is adjacent to tech. Um, And so I think that's a fail on their part, especially. I, I expect it from Trump. I do expect more, Leadership from from the tech community on defense of science.
1: So that makes sense because, or just as as uh, a footnote to our guests, they the name you know what they call suburban moms now. Both CNN and Fox, what they call they used to call them soccer moms. You know what they call them now what Panera moms. Seriously, uh, they call them I Panera, love Panera moms. But most importantly, most I'm importantly, a Panera
0: mom. I'm a Panera mom. I go to yeah. Panera all the time with my childrens. because yeah, it's, it's healthier. I love Panera. healthier. Not healthy, but healthier. Many things. You can do very well there from a healthy point of view. I agree. In any case. Scott? I agree.
1: Should I sign us out? Are Thursday, we signing out?
0: I mean, honestly, honestly.
1: Yeah. You ready?
0: Next time we speak, it should all be over. Will it all be over? I don't know. But it it's should be hope It's a new be, chapter. We're is.
1: turning the page. We're absolutely let's hope, turning let's the hope show.
0: There is no civil unrest. People take a friggin' breath no matter what side you're on. Try not to block people in traffic. You're an asshole when you do that. Uh, I get that you have a point of view, each side, although there are not nice people on both sides. Kara, the immunities
1: are kicking in. We are are absolutely... Let us hope. We are are absolutely saying no. We're going to say no to Proposition 22. We're going to say no to Republican governors who don't want to win the vote. They want to suppress it. We are saying no to skilled sociopathy. We are saying no to people who have no respect for our government. We're going to start funding our institutions. We're saying no to an economy that lets someone be worth the The GDP of Lithuania, while twenty five percent of households with children can't are food insecure, we're going to say no to being yep. the mother of all useful idiots of Russia. Wow. We're seeing we're going to say no to people who want to send women back to old Spain. We're going to say no to the to the American <laughs> arrogance masking as exceptionalism. We're going to say no to administration that will go down as loving more death, disease and disability on America than any people on history. We're going to say no, Kara. You know what we're going to say no to? We're going to say no to terrible fathers who have five children by three wives and then raise them to be expected jerks with no empathy. We're going to say no to people who mock the disabled. We're going to say no to people who believe it isn't time for a woman of color to be in the West. Tomorrow night or tonight, we open a can of whoop ass. There is nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed with what's right with America. And tonight we are the righteous. And if he doesn't win, if Biden doesn't win, I'm not leaving America, but I'm going to move in with Alec Baldwin, who threatened to leave America, which is even (laughs) worse, even worse. America again. Oh, this is America
0: is, again. Way, Kara. Scott is, is that. Just so you know, we had a bit of a criticism this week by someone with a name we. We're not going to repeat. Nonetheless, we are doubling down on who we are, aren't we, Scott? Aren't we? Uh,
1: you know what? You know what? As you get older, you become more yeah. like yourself. And guess what? Guess the what? The jungle cat and the dog are really that fucking old. Is this is who right. we are. <laughs> that is
0: right. And this is who we're going to be. We're talking about our family, our neurosis, our excellent insights on business and tech and everything else. And you're just going to you – don't listen if you don't like it, my friends. That's the way it goes, right? That's we right. We love you, the ones that love us. Good love luck you. tonight,
1: America. America, let's do this.
0: Let's do this. Okay, Scott, the world may be different next time we talk. So now, how are you keeping calm as results come in? As always, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com. Be featured on the show. Tell us how you feel, uh, how it's going. What do you think? What do you hope for for America? How about that? What do you hope for for America? Scott, read us out.
1: Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Fernanda Fineta engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burroughs. Make sure you are subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify, or frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. America, we got this.